Thank you for coming to meet with me today, Dr. Jones. My pleasure, but it's pronounced Jeunois. Oh, wow. Well, we here at Solar Flare Energies are pretty in need of new product ideas to help deal with the climate crisis that has our planet in its terrible grasp. And uh, I was told you would be the man for the job. So tell me a bit about what you would do to positively impact the increasingly dangerous climate conditions. Well, Mr. Babatsi, I recognize that a huge contributing factor to your our problem is the increased reliance on fossil fuels for transportation. To combat that, I have the perfect invention right here. Oh, this is uh, a small humanoid automaton made of stone with its arms in the air. That's right. I call it the Talos. And with it, instead of driving the wheels on vehicles directly with an engine, we can simply push everything everywhere. It could crank elevators, spin washer and dryer units around. It could save the world a tremendous amount on energy costs. And what does, the, what does this Talos run on? Well, it would run on its feet, of course. I, I meant what fuel does it itself consume? Oh, don't you worry about that. It runs on something more immaterial. That was sinister sounding, and I'm not going to give you any money for this until you make whatever that was explicit. <laughs> Plain hard to get, huh? I assure you, the Talos can solve all your problems. You don't need to know the specifics. If you don't tell me within the next ten seconds, I'll have you escorted out of the building. If you insist, you did ask for it. It runs on your last inexhaustible resource, Twitter. What? Twitter? How? You see, I figured out a way with all the fancy crystals that are uh, poked around the little stone robot. It uh, transfers an abundance of energy, mental or physical, and converts it into an equivalent amount of any other form. And what better reservoir of unnecessary large amounts of mental energy than the entire Twitter archive, which we're able to access at relatively low cost? Oh, that's brilliant! And certainly Twitter will never run out of resources, nor will it restrict access to its content. That would be unimaginably stupid. I'm sold. What was your doctorate in, by the way? Organ performance. Oh, wow. Birds storm us, and we're going to tell you about how we saved the world. This episode of Storm Buds, we reunite with the Chais, we steal some ore from differently outfitted dwarves, and we confront the big pale baby in the sky. Welcome to Storm Buds, the Final Fantasy XIV recap podcast of your dreams. You better believe it. I am your host of light, Jerome Barbatsis, and joined with me together is my co-host of light alexander hamrack say hello happy middle of july we are except it comes out later than the fourth yes we are recording this the third of july we're going to try and get through as much as we can before the evening starts because fireworks are certainly going to interrupt the recording process um so let's, uh, you know, but we have a we have a B segment planned. I think I think we'll get through most of the episode today. We'll have a B segment planned for later then, because I won't be able to record the second day. But you know, we'll have a really special guest for uh, an interview segment. That you we're did really get the excited. interview lined up. I yes. was impressed when you yeah, told yeah, me. Yeah, I planned ahead, so we'll be okay. Um, anyway, but let's we'll definitely cover the recap segment here while while I'm here. Um, but you know, if you're wondering, I'm headed on a. Just a quick excursion to Omaha. Yeah, you're taking that Disney cruise, right? Mm Mm-hmm. A Disney cruise to Omaha. It's going to be really good. Uh, Okay, so um, let's get into our usual business. You know, uh, before, you know, what I like to do before I jump into the main quest is I 
I take care of all the side quests. And uh, what a side quest I've got for you today. Of course, if you are uh, Final Fantasy savvy and you recognize the date that we just said, you'll know that Final Fantasy 16 has been out for about a week and a half. And of course, I've rolled credits on it. Who do you think I am? <laughs> You've been playing that game nonstop. I've been I mean, well, I was until impressed. I stopped. <laughs> I did stop at the end. <laughs> How long did that take you? Um, I didn't look... So the the yeah no I I did I I finished it um in short I'm not going to go into any spoilers uh for me personally I think it is the best entry in the franchise single player entry into the franchise since 9 um really enjoyed it um that being said it it scratches a different itch than the previous games scratched so once I was done with it, um, and we can, you know, if you want more detailed opinions about it, you can join our Discord. Um, links. Spend some in good our, conversation yeah, in there, yeah, it looked yeah. like. We, we got our SideQuest channel. We can have like a more in-depth conversation. We have a spoiler chat room as well, so we can talk more in-depth in a thread if you want. It'll be cool. Um, but to scratch the particular Dungeons & Dragons party interaction, multiple like decision-making rather than just sort of button mashing and make number go up, of Final Fantasy 16, I started out Octopath Traveler 2. Oh, yeah, that did come out. It did come out. I had put it off because it was like, oh, I don't know. But I just, you know, other podcasters I trust, uh, Jason Trier of Triple Click, Griffin McElroy of uh, The Besties, they are diehard Final Fantasy lovers and they tried this. They were like lukewarm on Octopath 1. Like they liked it. I think Jason Trier finished it. Maybe I don't know. I don't speak for. I don't fucking speak for him. Come on the show. We can talk. Jason Trier. Imagine. Let's see if we can get Jason as a guest. Let's see if we can get uh-huh. Jason Trier on Stormbot. <laughs> hey Jason, look at these numbers. You want? You, you could have this audience. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, the point is, I started that. Um, and it's great. It's actually. It feels like the creators of that game listened to the like to the the passionate people who like liked Octopath One and were like, I would we would really like more interaction between its party members. I was gonna say we would like, like the, the tasks to this task better. stuff to well, I don't know yet. I just started it. Okay. But um the the start is a lot better. The start of the character I chose. I chose the cleric this time around. Um and last time around I started with the merchant. So I wanted something kind of different. Uh, perspective-wise. The cleric is, just to give you a taste, the cleric is a total dickbag, and I love him. <laughs> I did not expect him to be such a shit. But, like, here's what they do in this game, right? Um, and this is... I'm I'm going to talk more about Octopath Traveler 2 than Final Fantasy 16, right? Because Final Fantasy 16 is, like, brand new. You it's don't want to spoil new. anything. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, and, and also, like, there's so much out about it right now. Like, <laughs> let's... Uh, yeah... And here's some stuff that I didn't know about Octopath Traveler 2 that I wish I would have, or I would have started it sooner. One is that the, you know, the path actions that existed in one, there's a second, there's like another side to that coin now where like there's a day night cycle and you can just toggle it between day and night. And then I don't know if this is true for everyone, but for the cleric, rather than just like recruiting people to your cause and having them follow around and like get an extra summon ability in nighttime, what you can do is you can persona style enter people's psyche and Wait, beat them up to get information out of them. You're an this inquisitor. It's incredible. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, why didn't, <laughs> why didn't I know everyone talked about like the, there's this like semi limit break thing that they added now that makes combat more depth. But like, I don't remember anyone talking. Maybe I just wasn't listening. No one mentioned the mind diving? Well, for the cleric specifically, right? They didn't mention that. Maybe they didn't want to spoil it. But I'm just like, please, like, 
this isn't a game that everyone is going to play. And now I'm like, I think if you are lamenting the 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 miss the the, the lack of an interactive party RPG in Final Fantasy, play Octopath Traveler two instead. What is the fighter? Do you go to Flatland? I don't like- know. I haven't gotten him yet. I'm just about to. I'm just. I just spent like uh, it was like an hour and a half in, right? And so I, I'm just about to get the thief, um, who looks great. I was really, really torn between the cleric and the thief, but I chose the cleric because the thief is like the opposite of the merchant. So I was like, ah, eh, it's basically the same thing where you like steal items instead of buy items. So I'm like, okay, I want to have the permanent summon instead. Uh, but also, apparently, I get to permanently. Be- <laughs> I so I'm like really excited. Like, what does she do at night? I don't know. So. Uh, more updates on that as I play. How about you, Alex? Uh, well, speaking of um, retro-style Final Fantasy, uh, the ret- retro-style RPGs that have drawn mm-hmm. positive comparisons to Final Fantasy, I've not started playing this yet, but I did just grab Chained Echoes on Steam sale. Oh, that's on my wish list. Stuff, yeah, so I'm going to... I might check that out in the next few weeks and maybe have that for like a future episode because it looks really cool. I've heard really good stuff about it, mm-hmm. and I've been wanting kind of one of those to dig into. Okay. Um, in terms of actual side quests, no real game stuff. It's been a crazy busy week. Okay. I will say, at the behest of my wonderful girlfriend, I have started watching Riverdale. And that's been an interesting experience so far. I know when you said wonderful girlfriend, <laughs> that the thing that was the coming up was a little going to be a little bit of a loaded suggestion. I so. just... Look... Riverdale is quite enjoyable, but it's not very good. And oh, walking the line between those it's two, camp. yeah, it's like it's Buffy. It, it, it's Buffy, and also none of the characters act like human beings, mm. which is great because when no one acts like a human being, you just kind of free yourself from any expectation that the plot or character motivations will ever make any sense, yeah. and you just kind of watch it happen. Yeah, yeah, boy. More on character motivation. Uh, with vis-a-vis Final Fantasy 16, if you want to have that conversation in our Discord, <laughs> yeah, character <laughs> motivation is hard. Um, I shouldn't. I no, shouldn't. actually, no. I think I think everyone in the game has reasonable motivation. I think it's just I think there are there are certain characters that are a little underdeveloped personality wise. I think so. You know, think about Lise, right? Mm-hmm. How Lise had like a likable personality, but her motivations just sort of didn't line up with what the was happening in the world around here. Yes, like and like the situation she was in, like the the relationship that she had with Conrad did not merit the the necess- the escalation <laughs> that was given to her. Everything like, felt kind of written backwards, right? It was like, what's the yeah. end point we want to get her to, and then how can we kind of stitch events together? To yeah, get her there's there. a character in sixteen that's kind of the opposite of that. We're like, sure, <laughs> the place in the world makes sense, but they just don't have a personality <laughs> oh fun okay <laughs> so yeah but it's like ah well but most of it's good anyway uh that's gonna do it for i, I think our side quest segment I am, I am enjoying riverdale it's just the show runs on moon logic mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. now we've all i mean that sounds like a good good popcorn fun for those of you that should be having Who- popcorn <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, like for those of you that like partake, or like what's the... for those that partake, yes, in popcorn. Okay, uh, into the MSQ. Yes, 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 we are going to get started with the MSQ recap. We are doing, you know, what is essentially the fifth chapter of Storm Shadowbringers. God, chapter V. Now I was so excited to stop saying Storm Buds. Now I can't stop saying Storm Blood. <laughs> Yeah, it's a downfall with naming our po- our podcast the way that we did. Listen, 
Uh, we'll get through it. Um, but yeah, uh, a recap up to this point. I'm gonna watch my timer. Here I go. Uh, you know, I don't want it to make this any longer than sixty seconds. We are on a you know a, a separate planet from the usual planet in Final Fantasy XIV. It is kind of a reflection of our planet in a different space in the interdimensional rift. And this one is dangerously close to being exploded or consumed by an ever growing flood of light pure manifested light and we have at this point i mean in true to final fantasy fashion they have given us five sort of checkpoints to deal with in this case they are light wardens and we have killed four of those light wardens and we are on our way to kill the fifth one in um a region that we have previously visited right yeah so we're nearing the end of this sort of chapter in the final fantasy 14 saga and nothing could possibly go wrong. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Right. Um, it's been super clear. If we defeat all five Light Wardens, we'll just save the world. That'll be the end of it. Yes. So to that People end... People have very definitively told us that with confidence. To that end, we start the que- with the quest Return to Yulemore, in which, in typical fashion, we get out of the room that we're staying in at the Pendants in the Crystarium, and we head to the Ocular to have a strategy meeting with the, the fam. It is, it's occurred to me, like, the Ocular, we should have, like, a conference table. Yeah. Like, everyone just kind of stands around and stares at the Exarch. What if we all, like, kind of sat down around, like... What a, kind of conference table would you find to match the decor of um, the Ocular? I mean, it would be covered in guilt. It uh-huh. would, or, like, ooh, like, like a mid-century modern, like, walnut? Okay. <laughs> I think that, yeah, that might work. Uh, we'll definitely need a, another a, a rug to prevent scratching on all that crystal. <laughs> definitely. Um, like a Persian rug. Persian rug mid-century yeah, yeah, conference yeah. table. So the first thing I, you know, we're, we're, we're just recapping what I recapped, right? And it's like, okay, off to Yulmore, basically. But um, who, who, should, who should pop in but our good friend Emmett Selk, um, Asian. He, he Asian sort of, Primero? Yeah. Mm, he was one. He's Asian Unsunderdo. Not Asian Prime. Like, Primero implies Prime. Which You're was, right. Which was the La Habrea fusion. In heaven's word, God, that right. was forever ago, right? How foolish of you to not remember La Habrea Prime. <laughs> it was a, yeah, no, it was Asian Prime. <laughs> uh, he uh, Emmett Selk, Prime. Anyway, Emmett Selk has been kind of uh, annoyingly traveling along with us as we try to discover the truth. And he says, you know, he he, he points out at this point that we're wrong about having the the sin eaters, the the notion that we're wrong about the notion that the sin eaters. Being gone will be uh, salvation for this world. Yeah, typical villain fashion, right? You only delayed the inevitable. Yeah, and also, like, why would we trust this guy, right? Some like, God complex really talk. Know? Surely it's all nonsense. Listen, guys, you know, at least he's like, listen, guys, I, I like you. <laughs> you're all really noble. You're all really nice. But, like, you're not getting the big picture here. I, I mean, like, and, and okay, jokes aside for a second, mm-hmm. like, I continue to enjoy the bit that we're kind of fleshing out here further, which is like giving this character more time to like to vocalize just how little our lives mean when you are an individual that lives for thousands and thousands of years mm-hmm. that like that, that that this all can kind of be a novelty to him. He's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Let him try and kill the light warden. See if, it, if they do, it doesn't work out. I'll try again in like 150 years. Who cares? Yeah, like well, like that. Our lifespans just don't matter to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He had that. He had he had that sort of thing right when he when he introduced himself. He had that part of his speech. But he, at this point, uh, claims that 
Right, just because people have literally all forever, but like, like the the immortality was taken from us from something. Yes, right. Like, uh, yeah. What do you like? He actually he gives us a bunch of stuff about what life was apparently like before the whole sundering, right? And he's yeah. like, hey, in the past, like everyone was immortal, and also it was a paradise, and um. And like, but but here's the thing. There's an important bit. Sorry, we're jumping around a little bit here. I'm going to try and get the order of this back correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this bit here where he's like, on the one hand, the old world, everyone was immortal, and it was a paradise, and everything was great. And then there was a, cal- a threatening of a calamity, and mm-hmm. thus we uh, built, created Zodiac. And then there were people who didn't like Zodiac, and they created Hydaelyn, and everything got split. And it's like, there are big, conspicuous gaps in that story yeah. that he's still very notably kind of talking mm-hmm. around in terms of like, yeah, what well, was it, this calamity? And in order to, to demonstrate that to us, he does steal the tower's uh, planetarium projector and gives us a nice little visual aid, um, which helps. Yeah, something something that began suddenly. He's a little vague about that. Then the, the laws of existence got warped and shit basically got fucked. I guess then, what does, like, does, does this presentation sort of change or illuminate anything you weren't necessarily aware of I, I mean it's well a couple of things the first is that this is not like the second time he's kind of talked us through this story yeah and he continues to talk around the exact same spots right he does yeah. not specify what the calamity was that that, that thus led to zodiac he does not specify really what the objection that the followers of heidelin really had to zodiac like he's yeah he's avoiding giving us details on both those things yeah, yeah, yeah. and then also the other thing but the new information we do get here is that what heidelin's power actually does is it kind of like duplicate but dilutes yes that like that sort of like that that what she did when she created the 14 worlds was take the one world and split it apart into sort of 14 shadows of itself sort of yeah um the mission then is to rejoin not only just like the worlds and the land itself but the souls that got sundered along with it so that people could be immortal again and of course the 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 then the lives that would eventually return to the ethereal sea would be reborn as somebody eventually who is immortal um so i think that's kind of his perspective on it like oh like yeah the death is impermanent or whatever and, and also that like that we are like lesser beings because we are like one fourteenth of what he thinks a full person should be we well, are sort of these highly not, diluted that the math doesn't check out there okay. um but he because he he says something later that that contradicts that but um the he he also like admits that the Asians were at fault at first and they completely messed up the 13th because they didn't understand how the sundering was. Oh yeah. They turned it into void. Yeah, They turned it into the void. So at this point, like to me, like maybe they're going to make some people, like, are they going to make people like 95% immortal? Like, what does that actually mean? <laughs> yeah, if they're all rejoined uh, you know, and there's good one point part also. missing. Like, what is that? What, how does their, how is their mission not already doomed, but whatever. You still argues that like, you know, okay, I get it. Like, and that if you, if you think that's right, then, then you would your behavior would only be logical she says and i'm like don't you mean ethical like logic doesn't factor into this at all like that's not a logic thing maybe the course of action would be logical by a code of ethics he has but, like a different ethical framework for like yeah, what the like right thing his to do ethics in the world are different, is not his logic his logic is the same as our <laughs> like logic doesn't change as much 
as as ethics. And she, she so also, I think her philosophy is a little bit off. She also points out here that like that that in pursuit of this, he has murdered millions. And, yeah. and his re- retort to that is like, yes, but like in your fragmented chaotic existence, you give rise to tragedies like war and famine and stuff that are far worse than our calamities. And it's like, okay, so like, you're yeah, claiming his- that your old world was a utopia where there was no suffering and everyone was happy. But I don't believe you because you keep not specifying details about what went wrong. Like yeah. if it was really so great, then why did those people want to summon Heidelin, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something so, th- there's there's gaps in the story, um, and we we kind of at this point kind of scowl at him. He's like, "Oh, don't don't give us that puppy face." And then here's what he says: that he says that we're a seven times rejoined hero. Mm, okay, we're not we're not one fourteenth. We're half. We're half people. Okay, because of the. Calamity. Because of the seven calamities. Yes, okay, so the, the, the world's already begun rejoining. the process of rejoining. And then okay. the seven, seas, seven ethereal seas, I guess, are back to one in the soul. Um, Wait, so like, so, but are the people of the first supposed to be way, way thinner than us? I think so. Okay. I think so. So, you know, and he... he the re- and I think he he's lets slip the reason that he wants to follow us around to see, you know, give us a chance. He says here, long have I awaited one who might brave a path of lesser tragedy, a resilient soul able to endure the necessary pain. And I dare say, dare hope that my wait is over. Like the the path of lesser tragedy, right? He recognizes a little bit that what he's doing is tragic and unavoidable. But like that's specifically the definition of tragedy, right? Like it's a sad thing that is unavoidable. Like this was bound to happen given the circumstances. So he, it's almost set like, like in his way of saying, sorry to keep interrupting, but he's, he's like set in his way of, of his path, being like, oh, well, yes, these are necessary losses that are sad, um, but for, but because of the, the way things just sort of pan out and happen to be that, that they are necessary. But it would be great if they weren't, <laughs> if it wasn't that way. Yeah, the, the, the way he talks about it, it's as if he sees the whole thing as like an enormous trolley problem on kind of a cosmic scale. Yes, basically. That's a really good way of putting it especially after we dealt with trains so much <laughs> in the previous episode so he uh i guess he, you're probably probably just put a talos on the track yeah 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 giant giant interdimensional talos to shove the worlds together <laughs> that's what we need um so he bids us to continue so he might have to commit any more genocide wouldn't that be nice wouldn't it be nice lena wouldn't at this point busts nice? in okay don't, we're going to get content ID'd. Lena busts in at this point, stating that Yulmore is really hunkered up within a, uh, an, like, as if they were anticipating an attack, even though nobody's attacking them. Well, now we're going to go attack. <laughs> yeah, like, we got we to get in there now before they get the I bet they're holding stronger. the last light warden, I guess, given the, so, like, let's go to, let's go to the nearby village of Wright and press the attack. Um, There's a bit here where Halfano kind of reflects on his feelings about Vowthree and like remembers like when he met Vowthree, he was filled with rage so weird. and disgust. There, but also, yeah, he, he's also like, but I saw in him some of myself. You know, he is also single-minded, oh. misguided in his belief that he alone is the world's salvation, just like I was. Yeah, well, I was also a fool. Will he be accepting of defeat the way that I was? You, and I was like, yeah, okay, Halfano, buddy, yeah, you, 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 you hold on to that here. hope. There's one thing you didn't do, and that's talk to Emmett Selk. I did not talk to Emmett Selk. You did not talk to Emmett Selk, um, <sighs> and uh, you will no longer have the option <laughs> to do so until you do New Game Plus on your own. Um, but the Emmett Selk dialogue here is uh, the option that says, okay, what happened to the Asians when they were sundered, basically, right? That's uh, not the question we would ask. We would ask, why did people summon <laughs> But, but we're still able we to ask. ask a certain thing. And he said, well, their very beings were divided into 14. 
Uh, yet by our power, we unset as unsundered Astians may raise one up of their fragments. Like, so if there's a fragment of the original Astian somewhere in the sea or like somewhere in the world, they can raise them up to the office. Okay. And then, Oh, well, we never heard of an Astian described as having an office at this point. Right. Um, but this in itself, he says this in itself bears explaining. So, uh, the names that we're familiar with, La Habrea, um, Emmet Selk, Elidibus, um, Igayarm is another example of one we've met. Um, the, uh, the, the it's those are names of the office basically they're they're like VP of um water <laughs> aspected ether or something I don't know I don't know the actual offices off the top of my head um but the uh over the eons he says he's overseen several changings of the guard among our sundered brethren um and the vacant title can ordinarily go to another fragment of the self of, of the same person, but like you can also raise up wholly unrelated individuals, but they don't necessarily make the best minions. <laughs> so, so is the implication here that the fragments themselves cannot travel worlds, but like the Emmett Selk we're talking to is yeah. the, his, is the fragment of him that was left in the first? No, no. Emmett Selk is unsundered. Okay. Uh, this is he is uh, the OG. Okay. Um, then I'm very confused by this, but I assume we'll find out more about it later. Yeah. So, yeah. It, then he says there may be a, come a day when I reveal my true name to you, but this is not it. <laughs> if you if you ask him his name, uh, and and to and much that is in in his credit, he also says you know you may well die none the wiser, but life life is full of such disappointments. His true name isn't our name, is it? We're not leading up to something like weird like. <laughs> twist where it turns it's, out that the warrior of light was Emmett Selk all it's along. It's floor tank. <laughs> it's just some random, like, some randomly generated player name. I gotta admit, that'd be a very dumb, very good twist. Uh, yeah, they quantify Then we get to Gate Town and whatever. Yeah, Sorry, okay. To, uh, no, and and That bear is pointing out. Yeah, okay, whatever. This brings us to the quest, A Feast of Lies. Uh, Reen is like, this there's light a, warden... There's a light warden, but something's weird <laughs> about it. I can see it with my oracle vision that, that we got last episode, but it's weird. So let's go closer, and we approach, and we see Tancred and Orianger. And on the way, though, we run into people who are, like, fucked up. They mind are mind control? They're, like, worshipping Lord Vothry, right? They're like, oh, Lord Vothry. And then some actually attack us on the way, so... There's like some that are harmless and some that are just kind of like inert completely. And then there are some that are so devoted that they're attacking us. Uriangé notices that difference. Like, why is it that some people are more fervent than others? Um, and, and at this point, I was like, it's the meal. It's the meal, you fools. Yeah. Um, Alfino comes up. He also mentions it's curious. And Reen says the same thing about the Light Warden being impure or something on the top. Um, and then who should show up? Off the side, but Kai Sheer. Kai Sheer. That sexy motherfucker. Our he blue stops cat by boyfriend. With, he stops by with Alice in tow. Who we thought was Elfino. Yeah, yeah. That's a good bit. That's a good recurring bit that this game <laughs> loves to do. I mean, that's what happens to twins. Shout out to the twins out there that get mistaken for each other. I'm sure that's very fun. Uh, and Not the, all annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and turns out Kai Sheer reveals that he's been somebody who well, he's been informing the Crystal Exarch of the happenings in Yulemore. We've been kind of getting hints of an informant, but we just haven't really thought about it. So, hey, nice job. Cool. Uh, and he relays the tale of what happened. Vothri came back after the devastating loss, I guess, or, you know, after the events of Amarang and a light warren died. And he started ra- going raving mad. And then 
and and then Kaiser has a line here. He says, "Geezer was doing his nut." <laughs> and then a hot wind blew through. I got a nut you can do. I got a hot wind for you. I got a hot sticky wind. <laughs> and a hot wind blew through, and everyone started acting all weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yustola runs up and shows Reen a bit of this this meal she found, and she's like. Uh, uh, oh, um, my Oracle of Light vision is tingling, and that is a, uh, that is not food. That's Sin Eater. Meal is made out of Sin Eater. So you were, I would say, you predicted that the meal was made out of people. I would say you're 75% right. I mean, especially once we find out that the Sin Eater is just made out of where people who got turned into Sin Eaters to get turned into meal. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm giving you, I'm, you know, I'm giving you a passing grade on that okay. prediction for sure. It's not, wasn't, it wasn't 50%, it was 75 It was like people that aren't people anymore. <laughs> Look, I. They were people. I have watched every Wachowski movie, okay? I'm aware of when you get mysterious food that's being fed to a population under control, it's made of people. Yeah, Soylent Green, notorious Wachowski movie. <laughs> Okay, fine, but I'm thinking of Cloud Atlas, but okay, sure. Why are you thinking of Cloud Atlas? Moving on to Paradise Fallen. And also, actually, Jupiter Ascending, I think. Jupiter Ascending had food people? Yeah, the whole point was the plants were getting harvested to make them into, like, you know, stuff that gets fed to the royal aliens. But the planets weren't like mystery food. Yeah, no, it was you're just right. just like a mystery motivation and bees. But they got like one metaphor, okay? Um, Listen, let's not pretend either of us understood what was going on in that movie. We got a duty to do. We got we to storm the castle. Yep, storm the castle. Because as soon as we enter it, Valtteri's like, Burn it, pure people! He's there. ranting and raving. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, not, that's not the best Valtteri voice I can do. But. And, the, the, and then all, all the mind control people start marching on us. And Alphano's like, Go. we should not harm them. They are innocent. So we get to, dis- it's just one of those Final Fantasy moments where you get to decide whether or not your fantasy weapons kill. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, so, like non-lethal, fi- non-lethal fireball. Just whatever. Just fine. Okay. Um, the, uh, as we just kill NPCs and, and our party members peel off one by one to make space for us. Typical, typical stuff. At the top, near the etherite crystal, um, we run into Mister One Ranjit. God, fuck, fucking Ranjit again. Boring and dumb. He's in his transformed form, and we do our, we do, we get to fight him ourselves. Finally, we never act. Well, no, we did fight him, and then he just plot killed, plot beat us. We get some we dialogue here. We accuse him of here. mind control. And he's like, no, I'm totally willing. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes you less compelling of a character. He's like, look, man is inherently flawed. Righteous yeah. is always sowing seeds of future conflict. Yada yada. It's like, okay, so you're just basically kind of a nihilist who's decided that you're going to yeah, get on the like, team. He with he's a nihilist who like, he's like a freshman psychology. He like he he took intro to psych. No, intro to philosophy. Sorry, not. Psych. And just like got hung up on he Nietzsche. Kinda, yeah, he kind of like got hung up on Nietzsche and turned into a a, a, a neo uh, an alt right sort of troll, I guess. Really. Yeah, that's definitely Ranjit's character. It's. Not even that compelling. It's not even that good, though. It's like, not. What I've described is like more interesting because it's just real life. But okay, we get to the top. We kill him, by the way, and he's dead. For definitely, he's de- no, he's just dead. He's really I, dead. He's dead. He's We're actually done. dead this time. Yep. Thank that's, God. That's the unceremonious death that he deserves. He's gone. Yeah, you know, fair. Okay, we never see. Him. He's not going to secretly come back for like you know the post patch content and like turn into a god or something. That would be stupid. Cutscene: Vothri eats. <laughs> Vothri's eating something. We get the out there and Vothri is eating room. something really grossly. Cut. Fucking. Oh, I forgot to mention this in our side quest, but in Final Fantasy 16 has the nastiest fucking hot mic Stein drinking sounds. 
I hate it. I hate it so much. You hate, hate it, when, it so, when, they, when they gulp they're down. Like, they have normal sounding dialogue and then it's just like triple the volume. Like, uh, uh, drink to everyone. And then it's just triple the volume, like five people glugging. And they just like pour. This is how I, we have mugs of tea. Mine's empty. But this is how everyone in, in Valisthea drinks. Ooh. It's just like they put it up to like a hundred degree angle <laughs> and it just all goes down like <laughs> fucking nasty. <laughs> and that's what's happening here. <laughs> you know why? Because Vothri is obese and that's that's apparently and how obese people eat. Yeah, yes, that's their characterization here. <sighs> Vothri Whatever. don't love the visual design, but we don't need to dwell Not, on well, it. Well, at this time we don't love the visual design. Uh-huh. It gets pre- it gets pretty different pretty quick. Yep. Alphano does try to deliver some speech here about how his time has come, and Valthry is just not paying any attention to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He continues eating. Um, Reen starts freaking out at this point. And She's then, like, and oh then, my god! Oh shit, it's the Light Warden. Um, and the Light Warden's not just a senior, he's also a man. And then he turns his head around without turning his body around. It's like an owl. No, a, it just does a 180 degree turn on his like thick neck <laughs> and he preaches at us about how he was born to deliver this world same story you know he's consistent to be clear here Valtry is also the light warden Valtry yeah. is a sin- half human half sin eater this entire time yeah he's been the light warden um this whole time right right under our noses it's like remorse what nonsense no justice but mine yeah. no future but mine he does talk like he's got like a loose invisalign in his mouth that he's trying to hold in with his teeth <laughs> Uh, he then uh, we try to stop him from eating um, for his own good, I guess. And he gets uh, before we do that, he gets cute little cherub wings and lets out a horrible high pitched scream. Yeah, and then his tit wakes up. <laughs> you heard me right. It his, does. His titty. His titty has a face on it, and it wakes up, and it like has like a, a beams of light that come out of its eyes. Uh, it's terrifying. And then and then he like slightly hovers off. <laughs> he flies out the window. <laughs> he flies out the window, just kind of like sagging while like little cherub wings <laughs> flap really hard and like, he... the, like the like the bee outfit in mario galaxy <laughs> <laughs> and we just and we look out the window and oh oh dear he seems to have retreated to a giant floating sky island with a big gold spiky halo around it yes uh he has caused the top of the mountain to fly up uh, well i got or just the his senior army has lifted it i don't know how it happens whatever but it is um, to the top of Mount Golg. Um, you may think that name is weird, but it is a callback to Final Fantasy One. There is a dungeon, oh, yeah. actually a volcano, Mount Gurugu, I think. But obviously, Golg, in, the Romanization, yeah. whatever. Gurug, Golg in English. Like oh, that sounds better in Japanese. But okay, whatever. we need to get up there somehow and kill him. But first, we're like Alpha knows, like okay, we need to care for the people here and treat their wounds and like you know stabilize. Figure they're probably and untraumatize them, or maybe just like tell them what happened. Reen is also th- like thinks she can like undo the brainwashing. So she's like, I'll go around and I'll try and see if I can free their minds. Right. So the next quest. This is the ladder, right? Paradise Fallen. No, Paradise Fallen still. Paradise. We this is Paradise Fallen starts now. We were on. I thought Paradise Fallen was the duty. We were on a Feast of Lies. Son of a bitch. Paradise Fallen. Like, the ladder didn't make any sense. I did not even write down. Da- oh. Not much happens. We scatter dream powder on some people so to sedate them until they can be seen to. We don't bothered? bother to check if they have any allergic reactions to medication before we do this, but I'm yeah, sure they're fine. I was, I was trying to like fix my notes, and I'm like, we're just, we're just recording it now. I can just be wrong. I'm just going to let my notes be wrong. 
Rina is doing her best to heal everyone. We we do we run around. We we put some it, powder on people, and is then it, is it good podcast content when I talk about my wrong notes? I, I don't know. Is it people like, is that audio? Po- is that audio poison? I think it is. But I think it stops being audio poison once I drag it out for more than 20 seconds. I think we can do it occasionally. I think if we do it every episode, it becomes a problem. Anyway. Anyway. All the people of Elmore finally are like looking at us. And they're like, um, Dula Chai is like, looks at Alf and is like, wait, aren't you my painter? Did something happen to us? Yeah. So, so we, see the, we see the Chai's again. Love them. And then, that, and that's my, no, that's my commentary. <laughs> Alphanel explains what happened. Yes, and everyone's them... pretty distraught. And someone's like, "So we were his puppets this entire time?" And Alphanel's <laughs> like, "Not the entire time. I mean, when you attacked us, yes, but you still did decide to come here and give yourself over to the pleasures of the city and not ask where the meal came from and treat all the lower class citizens like garbage. And you know, that's all on you. I'm not going to judge you, but history will, and your conscience probably should. It's okay to to have been behind." but it's not okay to stay behind right you know stay woke uh so as soon as we decide to go after vothry one of the citizens asks how um they he i guess I don't, they can I don't help know. It's yeah they want another pronouns they can help uh they want to help out right um so we're like all right well there's a mountain out there uh that's floating and it has vothry and we need to go um kill him and they're like take our airship and we said there are sexy angeled sin eaters that are going to uh slash us to death if we do that but you know, uh, so that's a last resort. Any other options? Um, hey, actually, uh, there's a there's a, in there, in, and then I think maybe Juliet. No, somebody else speaks up. There's a lift called the ladder, which is all right. I got to interject here. Yeah, I'm so angry because when I first heard about the ladder, I was like, oh. Is it a funicular? Fuck yeah, I love funiculars. I love a funicular whenever it shows up. I was so excited to have a funicular, but it's not. We'll get there. mm Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I absolutely love ver- ver- vernaculars as well. They're my favorite kind of self-moving perpetual motion elevation device. <laughs> Do I need to... Is bad podcast content if I have to explain what a funicular is? Well, no, I think I got it in one, didn't I? Sure, right. It's that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, whatever this thing is, it also moves via a Talos, because of course it does. But it turns out that uh, the Chai husband, what's his name? Chai... Uh, Chai News! Chai News. He, he knows Nuz? all about Talos. Nuz News. He's the heir to the uh, Daedalus Stoneworks, the makers of the Talos. And it's mm. like, and his wife is like volunteering him against as well. He, she's very enthusiastic for him side, to help side us. Side note, he, I guess Daedalus is canon now. Wait, was, what was something else that was Greek myth that was canon? That, that happened Icarus before. showed up? Or, oh, no. no, Midas. 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 There was a whole Midas yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, but that was like, that well, was on, so I guess this is the second planet where the Greek myth is canon. That's weird. That's, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sorry to, I just, I just can't, every time that like a fantasy realm dips into Greek myth, I'm just like, okay, I, ancient Greece can <laughs> Um, Brings us to the ladder, and yeah. it's like, ah, oh, man, the ladder isn't a funicular at all. It's just a giant industrial elevator. It's just an industrial elevator that's manually operated by, you know what? Talos. Talos. Okay, gonna need a God bunch of repair it. work. Um, so we need to both repair the machine itself and the Talos to operate it. So uh, we need to go, go get some lumber at this point. Yeah. Let's see if we can't go get some wood from the nearby docks. And rather than pay him, so we get there, right? There's a, there's a, 
there's a dock master, and rather than pay him for the wood with the abundance amount of gill that should certainly work here, as made clear to us by the Exarch in the beginning of this expansion with that cutscene about how our gill should be good here, we actually instead have to pay him with a favor. Um, and that favor is we have to go around and count the wood. And also interpret a thing he tells us about how much wood recently arrived and left. And do yeah. some basic math. The favorite is like, I just I just I have my notes here. You know, like there's one stack that's like eleven, and then there's there's like another guy who's like sixty eight nine came in, but sixty eight came in, but nine of them rotted. But then we found thirteen, but one of those is rotted. And then there's another stack, and I was like, God, one hundred six. There were one hundred six pieces 100, of wood. Fuck off! I fuck off, Dora the Explorer. I don't want to do. Don't want to do this. So we go back and we tell the guy, and he's like, "Great, that's what us also what I had." So he already knew. And also, he's like, "But you want to repair the ladder? That's awesome. We love the ladder. We're going to go work on fixing the ladder right now." As we finish up and go back to the bottom rung, the view from above. We, yeah, Next quest. We, we we start to to. Is that the, I thought it's not the got here. No note taking notes. Whatever. Fuck it. I'm just going to trust you. Yeah, we, we're met with a cutscene here where Emmett Selk. No, I swear to God, this is before a view from above. We finish the quest, and then there's a cutscene, right, where Emmett Selk shows up at the bottom. You may be right. I don't know. This one, I'm right. Okay. Between the two of us, we're going to have a complete podcast episode. The citizens of Yulmar are kind of doing actual manual labor, and Emmett Selk kind of waxes about like oh, it's nice to see like people, like-minded individuals, coming together with a, a plan and doing things. You know, that's that's nice. Hey. Unrelated. You know how you deal with those who fail to see reason? You conquer them. <laughs> yeah, he, he he espouses his philosophy here, which is that you conquer and crush and or heal those who won't see and your then perspective. You, just sort of, you know, it's sort of just ask forgiveness, not beg, not permission. But then also you have the real challenge, which is that once you've conquered them, you have to keep them conquered while you rule over them, which involves treating them with dignity, and the conquered need to let themselves be ruled over and like the, you be treated for with dignity, them, yeah. which is difficult. But you achieved it, so... Uh, much to Emmett Selk's considerable surprise. And like, oh, you seemed to have... I was like, well, yeah, because we weren't... It's weird because like, we're not, I'm not really oppressing them. <laughs> we just asked them to help us repair we just, the ladder. Let's just ask a favor, like people. And he says, it's a compliment, take it. I don't know, maybe don't serve it to us on the back of your hand next time. But whatever, that's just how you are, I guess. He whack, yeah. As the tallow springs to life, he's like, oh man, people working together. It reminds yeah, yeah, me of sorry. life before the fall. And then he's like, what? I can't cry? Uh, Asians were people too. That's my whole argument, is that we are the actual people with emotions. Um, somehow, something, he's something literally like, paradise, oh, nobody fought ever. Man knew peace and contentment with adamant souls. They could live for an age. There was no war. There was no conflict. There was never a city more magnificent than Amaro. And I'm like, okay, so what went wrong then? And then, but but before we get a chance to ask that, he says, "Not that you would remember any of this." Yes, which uh, excuse which, me, what? Uh, which, like, I I can kind of see where this is going. Like, I am some because souls return to the life stream, right, and go through a cycle of perpetual incarnation. Mm-hmm. I am the soul that I carry is presumably a fragment of a soul of a being who lived in the original world before the splitting. And Emmett Selk has at least some passing familiarity with who that is maybe or maybe he doesn't maybe yeah. just saying in general no i mean he you know, you're not predicting anything because he says at this point you are of the source i guess he does <laughs> unlike the half men here you stand only to gain i mean this is the first where we're hearing of it but he points out that it's weird the uh, then, but before we really get to ask him i guess he's right more. yeah like if this world succumbs to assuming, the light assuming we assuming we survive all the calamities which we know we don't 
Um, <laughs> our soul would be. Does that mean that like somewhere else here in the first, there's like a fragment of my soul, like just. <laughs> that I, just maybe, I don't know. Into? Like maybe like maybe it's a whack a mole thing where like you have they have to be sort of like at the same time. You, you would run into each other. That'd be like a fun side quest, though, if you just yeah. like randomly find like a shopkeeper in a small village on the edge of the region, and it's just it just looks like you. <laughs> just, just like pulls for your appearance, whatever it is, with a goatee. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, he points out that it's weird the Exarch hasn't shown us who he is. Weird. Bye. Anyway, <laughs> they're like really, really trying to make us not trust him. And then <laughs> while the ladder is being repaired, everyone decides to come up and like, give us information. Ardbert also approaches us. Ah! Like from behind. It's a total jump scare. Again. And he's reflecting on like when we first met and he was like, uh, when I was just a ghost, it was just too much. I, I couldn't hold on to myself because the guilt and the solitude was driving me crazy. Um, and he's like, but you know, as bad as it got for me, man, it's gotta be way worse to be Emmett Selk because, uh, he's been through this for like thousands of years. Yeah. Like 10, a hundred fold that at least maybe 120 fold solitude sucks. Don't ever be alone. Yeah. Don't, don't make do a it. choice that leaves you alone. Eternity is a very long time. Yeah. Um, the view from above. That is the quest we were maybe just talking about or is the next one. Whatever. It's all ambiguous. The point is that we, uh, th- now we ride the ladder up. Ardbert reflects on the time that he rode the ladder up with his companions and, like, you know, how they were awed and terrified in equal measure. But now there's nobody left to remember that except him. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the top, Alice calls our attention to a village to the northeast, which is weird because no one can get up here. So is anyone living here? Um, well, someone is sneaking towards us from it, so I guess so. Yeah. What the fuck? Let's snipe the village. So we get into their sniper interface. Yep. Look for this villager. <laughs> and we spot him. He, he spots us. And he runs back screaming. So we cross the landscape. We approach the village. We look around. Mm. It appears inhabited. It looks like everyone fled when we were like getting there. Like They fled into hiding. So we're like, okay, uh, what's going on? And then a silver-haired lad approaches us. And, and it's Tristel. Nice it's Tristel. Yes, the painter that gave Alphano the paintbrush way back in chapter one that we saved from death on the shore or whatever. We healed yes. him. He explains that Amity is a village of exiles from Yulmore um, by way of a secret tunnel that definitely exists and would have been super nice to know about, but whatever. Um, Now that they know we're not creeps, uh, we can explore the area without them them thinking we're going to kill them or something. I don't know. Uh, In Mount Golg's Shadow. That was a quick quest. Thank God. Alice, what do we find? We, we, we were scouting with her. Sin eaters, obviously. Also, she has a weird line in here where she's very dismissive about Tristel, and she's like, "Oh, it's yet another person that my brother saved." I guess <laughs> I don't know why she. <laughs> Alpha just goes around saving people all the time. Yeah, whatever. and they always like owe him life debts and then volunteer to give us whatever we need. Yeah, it's just it's just she's just used to it at this point. It's like ugh. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we make it to the base of where the mountain floats in the sky, and we look up and we're like, well, shit, that's still really far away. <laughs> right, um, and then um, suddenly we are beset by some drones <laughs> that fly back, and then like we're like, what the hell is that? And then Uriange and the Exarch actually show up. The Exarch is very far away from the Crystal Tower, which is the first time for that when we've seen him in person do that. Um and he sets some draw zones up to see if flying is an option. Nope, they explode. <laughs> Alice also has a throwaway line when she's like, hmm, looking at it from here, I can see that climbing up would be impossible. And I was like, really? You can see that from here? I could see that from back in Ulmore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess both things can be true. I, I guess it's, it's let's, important that we showed up here. Yeah, let's reconvene at the top rung. Uh, also, it's weird to me 
the halo around this mountain isn't a particle effect. It looks like this, just like a solid piece of like yellow material. Well, floating in the air. Yeah, but I mean. Light takes many forms. The flood of light in Amarang is also a solid piece of oh, coffee yeah. mate. Oh, it's totally deliberate. Like, it's an artistic choice, but it's one that, like, every time I look at it, I'm like, that looks strange. Yeah, I guess that's the, maybe that's the point. <laughs> this is a very strange place that we're going to. Um, so we can't think of a way to get there. Everyone's like, oh, whatever. And Julia frustratingly like, says, that stupid mountain should just come back down to Earth so we can... My thought was, uh, what if we had the Ascend ability from Tears of the Kingdom? We That'd could just really nice. hurl ourselves upwards at it. But I think that should be in every game going <laughs> forward. Honestly, it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but this causes uh, uh, quite a, 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 a sounded flash in Yustola's mad genius mind. It's like she's like in, a, in like a police procedural. Yeah. It's like when someone says some unrelated comment and she's like, wait a second, say that again? Uh, yeah, what if we just moved the land up to it instead? <laughs> He'll never see that coming. And they're like, what? With what? A giant land talos? That'd be stupid and impossible. That's way too much work. Estrella, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? We'd have to have all these sorts of different people. We'd have to have a whole lot of manual labors and magicians from all across the land. We'll never get that. Shinos is like, that's impossible. Unless maybe it's not. <laughs> Unless I do all of it. And he just starts doing some techno babble we, we talked through all the various factions we made friend with and ha- friends with and how they could be helpful except and, for the pixies we're like yeah uh, we're not we're not dealing with that orianje briefly considers them and it's like uh i don't know if they're going to cooperate with everyone else <laughs> yeah so a gigantic undertaking it be is that quest and um it starts off with china nuz nut china's and again Chinese Nuz. I, I've always internalized it as news, but there's only one U and two Zs, so it has to be Nuz, like Buzz. But news sounds so much better. Nuz has bad mouthfeel. It really has bad mouth. Ma- it's terrible mouthfeel. What's that TikTok phrase go? Are you, are you, a, are you a boy that's Nuz? Are you a man that's news? I don't know. I'm dumb and I'm delirious. Uh, he's distraught anyway. <laughs> and he doesn't, he's like, why would they even do this? They must hate me. I'm from Yulmore. Like, you know, um, are you pronouncing that Yulmore differently? I think it's Yulmore. Single? I don't know. Okay. That's I what keep... they say. Yeah. Anyway, so so actually, and, and this is where, okay. I'm actually kind of curious about the development history of this expansion. Like, like this is one of those things that I would love to to learn more about how they actually make these expansions for this game because we get an entirely new mechanic here. We get to do a duty in which the mechanic of the duty is picking dialogue options from dialogue trees to yeah. basically build up Chai News's sort of self-esteem to get him ready to like you know do the thing. And I'm like that's kind of cool. Why are we doing this like 20 quests from the end of the expansion? Did they like did they just not ha- have this for any earlier parts of the story? I, I can think of a few occasions where this would have been interesting. That is a really, really, really good question. It is a peculiar instance of of mechanics. Um, I couldn't tell you where the first instance of it was in the in the game. Maybe it was in some side quest somewhere or some tr- tribal quest, but whatever. Like, yeah. So um, he gets he, he he you know he gets it right. We yeah we, we go. He tries to send his wife away, and she's like, "You're not sending me anywhere. I'm with you to the end of time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with some reassurance, we, we go to conscript the help of the people of Amity who know the lay of the land, so we could get the best land to animate, uh, including Tristel, who was there, and he was exiled by the Chais. Remember that? Awkward. Yep. 
Awkward. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Anyway, Tristel is understandably upset, but also realizes that he too sought refuge in Elmore. Elmore, what? Elmore, uh, and looked those on the down on those around him. So he's like, you know, I kind of wanted to be like you guys anyway. So I'm not going to judge you too harshly for behaving the way I would have totally behaved in your position. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would not have been that big of a person. I know. Seriously, good Go for Tristel. him. I guess. Um, and so, and at this point, Tri News is like, "All right, I'll start in the design in earnest. You need to go get me the stuff I need for a giant Talos heart. And by the time that you get back, the design will be done." Um, are there any mining peoples conveniently located nearby? Yep, totally are. The dwarves—they're the ones who knew about the secret tunnel. Finally, the dwarves. I was like, I was wondering when we meet the dwarves because we have not run into them as a faction. In this no, there was really. one. There's one in the Crystarium for the yeah. healer quests, right? So you've been do- and you've been diligently doing those. So. Okay, but so they, these are the um, there's a dwarven family lives Meet up here falls. on this plateau. Uh, they live to the northwest, and they have a little village. Yeah, they're the ones who also knew about the secret tunnel that you know let let, let the refugees kind of go up to Amity. I just said that. You did say that. Okay, <laughs> one of them greets us with a beauty, with a lally ho. Yes, that is the traditional dwarven greeting as established in the game Final Fantasy IV, and we you can either respond back enthusiastically or get insulted, whatever you want to do. What did you do? I always picked the greeting. <laughs> I was boring. No, it's fun because then you look at the Exarch and he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> and these people are nice and cooperative. And this like this was just kind of like they've been living up here and just kind of like having a normal life the whole time. Like they yeah. don't seem particularly fussed about really anything happening in the larger world. All right, that's cool. Um, I mean, they have their own problem, but there's always a catch, right? Uh, the the material that we're going to need is precious to the dwarves and. Um, they don't really have that much of it, so we need to make sure we're ready to go get it. And we're like, okay, what could that... Po- sure, maybe there's like monsters in the way. Maybe there's like something they have us fight. No, they have a special trial. It's called the 3D Mine Runner. Standing for dexterity, determination, and what's the third D? Dodge. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and at this point, I was like... 3D Mine Runner. Ooh, is there going to be another cool, interesting game yeah, mechanic is it like, here? Is it like a, a Donkey Kong minecart level? Is it like Descent? Is it like... <laughs> is it like the horror movie, The Descent? <laughs> or that. I meant the game, but that works too. That also, yeah. Anyway, um, now it turns out it's not a mechanic at all. It's a fucking sniper interface again. It's a sniper! And guess what we get to do? We get to shoot the dwarves that look different. <laughs> not only that, we get to shoot one of them. Like, it's one like, that's all like, hey, you see that guy? It looks different. Shoot him. It's like a shooting gallery. Like they got like the doors popping in and out from behind little like, you know, target concealment areas. There's one and dressed I was like, in red. Oh, there's one dressed in red. And I was like, oh, do I got to shoot like three of them? Do I got to shoot like five no. of them? Nope. You shoot the one guy dressed in red and he's the first one who pops out. And they're and like, cool. You did it. You got it. Now you get, now you get the ore. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Okay, uh, digging we will go is the next quest. Yeah, remember there was a game on the Wii U, you know that party game? Was it Nintendo Land? Yeah, Nintendo Land, yeah. Yeah, there was one of those mini games that our friends and I, we, we, we played. We, called we played Nintendo Land every Friday for like a year. What was it? What was the one that we, 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 we renamed Get Who's Different? <laughs> was it the one all the doors and stuff? or Maybe. I can't remember. Well, I can look this up now. I don't know. Let us, or yeah, I guess you can look it up while we I'll, while I talk about a digging we will go. But yeah, there was. <laughs> that's what I was reminded of. Um, 
a digging we will go. There is uh, a lot of pressures over there, but it's in Glog Town. And, but the Glogs are the ones wearing the different hats, so we hate them. This is effectively some Star Trek, the original series nonsense. These folks have black on one half of their face and white on the other, exactly, but the other folks have exactly. white on the other half. That was original, or was that was that TNG or the original? No, that series? was the original series. Okay, I thought so. Um, so no, TNG had the racist episode. Oh, just the actual racist episode. <laughs> the planet full of black people. That, that episode. Oh my god! People walked off set on that episode. Yeah, good for them. Oh boy, we make um, we make ready to go for a little journey with a different. So like the dwarf that met us is named Zamet, and then they're like, uh, and, and they're the chief of this village, right? And then they're talking about like, okay, it's gonna be a really difficult journey, and you're gonna need a miner to go with you, right? And there's a different dwarf who overhears us, and from off screen, this different dwarf yells, "I'll I volunteer," and then it like dramatically pans over to that dwarf. From like the dwarf chief, and then the other dwarf looks exactly the same. It's great. <laughs> and that like same zooms model. in dramatically, and then the the, the chief yells out, "Karoot!" And he's like, "That's right, Zamet." <laughs> just like identical. <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, this is this chapter, huh?" <laughs> he volunteers to go with, and there and the the the, the other Zamet says that he, the Karoot is the best miner in the village, but can't fight for shit. Well, they don't say shit, but I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy sixteen. But hey, that works out for us because we're really good fighters. So we get an escort quest. Are you thinking of Mario Chase? Is that just the, the one? It could be Martin. Mario Chase is the one where the person that's different chases. Oh, no, yeah. Three no, people. Yeah. That's where chase all the toads the one... get Mario. Yeah, yeah. Toads... yeah, get who's different. It's Mario Chase. <laughs> right. Cool. The was so good. Yeah. It was one of the few redeeming things on, on, on the Wii U. But you needed friends. Um turns out a lot of people don't have those so the solo duty then we get we just talk about how long the crystal exarch knows us sort of and apparently it's a complicated answer weird um but there's so many sin eaters and that's about it he well we get a little moment with the crystal exarch where he gets to show off some white mage black mage and paladin skills it's cool he gets fight through sin eaters yeah okay we the, get to the mines. We were yeah. encampment. The, the Durgar's Tewel is the quest. Yes, there's an encampment deep in the mines inside like, this open air area. Yeah, there's a <laughs> not to be confused with the Gorgers Mewlul. All e- the dwarf- equally gibberish, and all the dwarves here are dressed like the guy they had to shoot. <laughs> hey, so the exarch is like, okay, so we're not gonna fight them. I'll just make us invisible, and then we'll dream powder them again. So a lot of drugging people in this set of quests. We drug the we drug the, the the yeah we drug the people in Yulmar before and now we're getting who's different. This is I don't know I don't know man I don't know how I feel about it. Anyway, it's like, it's like funny, <laughs> but but it's kind of tired. Don't, don't think about it too hard. Yeah. So while we're doing that, uh, Karut goes around and gets a huge sack of the stuff that we need. Actually, there was a, there was a line of dialogue here before we even drugged them. He says, there's all the glug. Korut tells us, there's all the glug. Beat them up. Don't question me. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus. It's just no. literally just wearing... Okay. We're turning invisible. Yeah. The prejudice is very... It's like they play it for laughs, which is, I think, just because of, how, it's like, because of how shallow the prejudice is between the dwarves, where I think I'm supposed to be allowed to laugh at it. And I was like, you know, play it off. And it's like, this is crystal. The, the, and then because the actual solution is a little bit more harmless, we're, we're okay. Um, and there will be there will be some side content that we that delves into this later, um, a little bit later. 
So that's interesting. It's just setting the stage for that, basically. Uh, Yeah, so we put the narcotics in those guys to make it so the mining sounds aren't a dead giveaway while we turn Korut invisible. You know, like we were that one time. And success! But um, the Exarch is super tired from being old. He clutches his heart. It's like, oh no, Uh, he hasn't been taking his cardiovascular health seriously. Seriously, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and, um, he, we all, and in, in, in the ensuing medical emergency, we get caught by Glag, chief of the Glogs, and Karut and Glag get into a beard battle. <laughs> and as the two clash, the camera has a complete and utter, it has a spasm. <laughs> For better lack of a better word, is, it just shakes from like corner to corner and zooms in at the same time, and then it like lands on a, a dramatic Dutch angle between the two, all within the span of like a half second. And it's just like, <laughs> and they start Greengrass insulting your each up. other's beards. Yeah, they're insulting each other's beards, and the exarch is just like, "Oh, just drug Glag and let's go." At this point, I was I was not convinced he wasn't also just going to say we should drug Karut and get him out of here, but yeah. Um, rich veins of hope. The Exarch takes the ore back to the village while we take Karut back to his people. While we, when we get back, the dwarves, like, they've heard about the whole plan and they want to help. So they've given us a ton of pickaxes that we can use to uh, go mine additional resources that we need. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. This whole quest, actually, very cool. Because, yeah, the because gang's all here. We get back to the ladder and all the people we were talking about have shown up. All the different factions that we've helped throughout the entire thing so far. Yeah, the Mord, the Viera, the Ardent Attendant, the Depressed Alcoholic Asshole Lion. <laughs> yeah, but but, like, but we, we get to kind of go around talking to everyone, handing out the picks, and, and we get all these different sort of like little dialogue segments in which everyone talks to us about sort of like what we did for them and how mm. far stuff has come and how they're ready to be here and help out with stuff. And like this... This actually really worked for me in a way that, like, I think the game has tried to hit this note a couple times before. Yeah. It tried to do the whole, like, and now all your allies are here to save the day type thing. And this is the thing that I think worked the best. I think the structure of all of this, like, you know, have, like, the structure of all of this, having us meet all these different factions in these different sort of delineated regions, and then having this roundup here at the end. And they're rounded up in a way where the, the, the same, not like the same factions are doing the same thing, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Vera are working together with the Mord and the Miners in three separate, disparate groups that are that are equally spread out, which is kind of nice. Yes, it feels like we actually have done the work to sort of like unify, unify the people. The realm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, that none shall ever again is the following quest. We, we're so close. Everyone's gonna live in peace. It's great. We send the miners off and we make our way back to Amity to check on the mages that we recruited from the Knights Blessed, who Chinese are to is... imbue the Talos with ether sufficient to stir it to life. Chinus is like, wait, you're back already? I, when I said I'd be done when you came back, I thought it'd take longer. Yeah. <laughs> this is so disorganized. Uh, I don't know. You know how R and D works. <laughs> he, you know, he realizes at this point that the ore alone isn't enough to imbue the Talos because it's too big. The limbs are gonna need their own little hearts, so. I guess we gotta go drug some more dwarves. But wait! Runar has a solution. He conveniently thought to bring the heartstones of the Knights Blessed that just that he just so happened to Yeah, well like know. they had a conversation. Like like the people like somehow he had a sense that they'd be useful, and so the people of the Knights Blessed had a conversation and they debated and they decided that it was okay. Yeah. Like, you know, especially now that like that the night sky has returned and they really can see the stars beyond, they feel like, you know, secure in the knowledge that the souls of their loved beloved have gone on to the next realm, and the heartstones can be provided for this greater purpose. That's nice. Which is really cool. So the Talos is powered with grave magic. Yes. 
Um, and it is uh, hope that I, I, you better not build a hotel on that thing. <laughs> so we, that- t- we take this moment here to try and also, because Uriange is here, to try and pry his secret plan away from him about how he's going to contain our light should things go wrong. Uh, but he won't budge. No, nope, it's like, I won't tell you what the plan is, but I do have one. You can't know about it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's the third time that's happened. Whatever, fine. Breath of Respite. Let's go check on the Exarch, who is seemingly gone, and he must have just gone some fresh air. And it's oh. a huge search air. It's a... Yeah, like we, like, we search out over this whole wide area, and we find him, and he's looking rough. Yeah, he's passed out on a rock, and he's like, oh. Hey, I'm just tired and my body's not from the tower. Because it's just like, it's arguably not my body, actually, now that I say that. He does say, as he wakes up, he's like, the future is where my destiny awaits. And it's like, yeah, it's how everyone's destiny works. Everyone's destiny awaits them in the future. Yeah, so he explains that he made his body, so he made himself one with the Crystal Tower because it's been a hundred years since the Flood of Light and he was going to need time to solve this problem. And learn the spell of summoning, I guess. He made himself immortal by basically making himself get crystal? overtaken by the crystal tower. I don't know how. Whatever. It would probably take another 30 minutes to explain how that works. So why not? Let's just let him have that. Um, maybe there's some side quest that explains it. We sit with him for a bit and he, he asks us what we're going to do when this is over. And I respond uh, with... I, for me, I was just like, I don't fucking know. I'm worried about the current issue. <laughs> I said rest a while because I'm very tired, both in yeah. the game and real life. He gives us some weird reassurance that we didn't really need again, but all right, we, uh, we take this time to ask him about himself, and he reveals that he has an inspiration of a person, and he wants to talk about that person, but he just can't. But he dreams about coming with his friend, uh, with this inspiration, on his next adventures. Oh, well, that all has to wait until we save this world. I I, like, I found this really sweet, actually. Yeah. Like, like, it's him opening up, and he's talking about someone ambiguous mm. but like reading between the lines yes us yeah and like it like at least be i mean i don't know if romantic is quite the right word but it's very affectionate like, like it's this very guy, affectionate this guy's yes. kind of in love with us yeah yeah i think i think there's something like that um but after the end of that speech we get a nice meanwhile zeus yes. and Varys Back at the and imperial the Emperor, palace imperial sure. palace the okay. sea plot the sea plot <laughs> Remember that? Uh-huh. I mean, I think it's been every chapter at this point. Zillidibus has been squashing rumors that he's a possessed zombie. Weird. Varys asks, like, so wait, so where is Ebbet Silk? I haven't seen him in a while. And Zillidibus has to admit, like, I, I think know. he's going to finish off the first. Honestly, that guy does whatever he wants. It's have probably you, fine. You, have you met him? <laughs> you think he's possible to keep tabs on that fucker? <laughs> but his last report did mention the whole science are trapped in the other world thing, which means there's an opportunity here because we could go kill their bodies while their souls are stuck in the other world. <laughs> hey, wouldn't sure. that be nice? Uh-huh. Unfortunately, somebody is off in the shadows who is not interested in that plan and is interested in... You know, I don't know what he's interested in. It's just a random soldier with a katana. With, <laughs> his great line here is, you're not wearing the mummer's motley very well, he says to yes. the to Zillidibus. And, um, and then he reflects on like it, how he it, hopes it, that I'm having fun killing monsters over in the other world. Yeah, his, the, he cares. About, he mentioned that he cares about us. Has a friend who's hunting for us for sport, and it zooms into his in his face, like on the helmet. And then there's like a cut, a black fade to black, a cutout with with Zenos's eyes, but with the resident eyes. And Zalidibus, well, just Elidibus at this point makes a remark. Interesting that somebody with a stolen echo could be um, could 
be resurrected. Like or, yeah, could be resurrected from the dead. Huh. <laughs> um, and Xenos is like, I don't need my name back, but I would like that body. And he pulls his sword and we cut to black. Yeah, we cut to black. And they probably just play a game at triple triad. <laughs> okay. Extinguishing the last light. Here we go. Let's fucking go to Mount Gog. Cutscene way up there. It's time to awaken the enormous Telos. Angels and Sin Eaters fly around the floating rock, and most of the Scions wait at the base of where that rock once was. Everything seems to be in alignment, and we hope this starts to work. We, and and Chinus, are in Amity. We, we watch as a giant explosion happens off to the distance. Rocks begin to churl and glow and whirl in the air and begin to take the form of a Goliath pair of human arms and a torso that lifts itself up from with with aforementioned arms from the earth and it starts to slowly but surely crawl shaking the realm with each of its step is that the right word something <laughs> when, like that when you walk with your arms so um, the sin eaters try to uh, at this point fend it off they are shooting lasers of light at its glowing arms and the the, the rock begins to crumble and they also start to throw their bodies at it which explode on impact um, Which like could be a pro- it's big, it's but like, it could oh, be we're damaged starting by to be this. worried. And who should come out of the cloud work but King Titania and the Fey folk? And they also arrive. the Amaro, right? Yeah, I guess well, the Amaro are the Fey folk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The and beasts that gain sentience in this realm are called Fey folk. And well. he's pretty pissed. And he's like, they they're pretty pissed. Yes, they're like, hey, you had a time of need and you didn't call on us. This was the whole point. <laughs> we had that whole speech at <laughs> the end. We are you are heartless and we hate you. <laughs> and uh, they they arrive to blast. They just blast the angels out of the sky with fey magic. Um, that's incredible. And and Chai Nuz is like, what what was that? And we say, I think they're mad at us. <laughs> to the dungeon. Up yeah, we well, go. yeah. Well, I forgot to mention that the hands eventually do end up clasping onto the floating rock. Thus creating a large, long bridge of land for us to ascend into the realm of Mount Golg. So yes, it's a time da, 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 for the dungeon recap. This was a fast queue. Like we queued up and like immediately found it. People really like this dungeon. Ba, 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 ba. Dungeon recap first. Ba. This is the new bit, by the way. This is the new theme it. song. Yeah, the liar. <laughs> It's the lion from the cutscene, the intro to Shadowbringers. Do you remember the lion? I had the whip, the wing clipped off do, by Thancred. Do, do, do I do I jump in here or is no? I'm asking. Why, guys? Do you do you remember that lion? I do remember that lion. Yeah. yeah, that's this lion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He slices the arena with wind. You got hit three times. <laughs> oh wait, you're doing the entire dungeon like this. Goddamn, that's right. Yes. Okay. Next boss is Cube. <laughs> the Cube has faces. And then you got a, there's an arena and you dodge all the faces. You got hit by this two times. <laughs> I had to rescue you once. Then there was the sexy sin lady. That was the, did Vothry fuck this sin eater? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that Vothry has anyway. desire. <laughs> anyway. There were a lot of mechanics. <laughs> she has a lot of marionette stuff. She summons copies of herself, and you gotta dodge the AOEs that aren't really well telegraphed. You got hit four times! <laughs> <laughs> I 
and that's the end. It's a really good dungeon. Like dungeon you over. get to, there's like this like obscenely like geometric motif of like the 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 hedge work at the end of like a a paradise quote unquote. It's very cool. It reminds me actually. It's going to be relevant as we get into the post patch stuff. It reminds, it reminds me, me of near. It reminds me of the copied city from near automata. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like there's all these cubes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty fun that they just kind of tied that in like that, I guess. Um, cutscene. Wow. So, uh, Vothry starts yelling at us and his vocal effect has a very loud, loud delay. So it's a good thing there's subtitles because he is completely incomprehensible. Just like me, he is completely incomprehensible. He yells at us about a paradise and how he's the good guy, yada, yada. Uh, and Alphino just now realizes that he's beyond saving. Alphino's like, man, I thought you might mend your ways and join with us, but your actions cannot be reconciled with your words. Peace for all you say, but your first act when threatened was to sacrifice your people for your own life. If your paradise depends only on your own life, it exists only for you and not for others. I can't. Okay, Alphino. I mean, this is how this is how the Crystal Braves happened. Or was it Crystal Braves? Yeah, Crystal Braves. Yeah, I was thinking Crystal Exarchs. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, Alphino. I mean... I'm glad you caught up eventually. Um, time for the trial. Time to kill this his perfect immaculate ass. Yeah. So the trial, the 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 the, the, the crown of the immaculate. Uh, it's a lot of sword, a lot of AOE dodging. Swords, swords, so many swords. Angels get summoned. Ads that we kill. Um, and then in the cutscene, um, that there's like a mid-fight cutscene, and he slumps over. He's like kind of whining about having lost, even though he believes. And then a spine shoots out from his back and while we keep hitting him. And then there's like two more spines that shoot out. And then he blasts open. It's like his body kind of blasts open from behind in a surge of light. And then he reveals uh, his more true angelic sin eater form as innocence. He's got long golden hair, a chiseled face. That doesn't move. Does not move. Uh, well, it moves in the end. Let us move in the end. Yeah, um, but uh, and big fo- essentially. Oh no, he's hot. <laughs> and his second phase begins. Um, and really, more sword dodging. You gotta you gotta play that fight to experience it. The 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 music is really great. Really uh, fastly arpeggiated. Really fastly fast arpeggiated piano riff. And just it's a lot of a lot of. Um, a good a good fast paced sort of rip on the a riff on the motif of Shadowbringers or that kind of the kind of thing. Um so, you know, great fight. Really really this fight was hard as fuck on release. Yeah, that, I like, can imagine that, 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 it like, is very complicated. That ad, not even complicated, but there's just this one mechanic that like where like these they summons five angels and then like you have to kill the there's like one angel in the middle that's tethering to the other angels. At a time, you have to kill them in a certain order before the tethered spell gets off, and people just fucking wouldn't do it. Sure, didn't And then, like, it, didn't there would be, you would just die to the, the slashing down debuffs. God, it was, it was, it was a little too hard. Um, more so than the final fight. So it was, uh, I think, nerfed. <laughs> but God, that was hard. Um, moving right along, now we get this uh, great cutscene when we beat him. He laments about his purpose. You know, he was born, 
he was told to believe he was yeah, born I'm, to save this world. Really, he, he sounds sad and confused here, and like, and this is it's, yeah, like this. Is like, I, I've always found the Vathra character kind of interesting in his simplicity, and this again, we're gonna get a bit of the backstory here, but he's one of those villains where like you hate the adult but you feel bad for the child yeah. like like his actions and the things that he has done are kind of unforgivable but at the same time also he was kind of he was kind of fucked from the start right he was he was set up to fail out of the gate by like by people who did not have his best interests at heart as a person mm-hmm. and like yeah like just what what a miserable life what a miserable so life. specifically we get a we get a migraine once we're talking to him, and it cuts to a man and a woman in the throne room of Yulmore, uh, or I guess the the mayor's chambers, basically not a king. But he's mad about some casualties, about some inner first inner Norvrant conflict or whatever. People are talking about um, an insurrection and who should step up to try to solve this problem. But Emmett Selk in full Asian garb, which is not something we normally see him in, um, and he. Um, he instead says, "Hey, you know, I got something. I got something that'll solve your problems. I will get back and forth a light warden." What if we made your wife with child? And well, no, the there's already a baby in there. Oh, okay. She's like, "I see your wife is pregnant. How about I imbue that that baby with the power of light from this light warden, and then the sin eaters will be at your command, and you can rule over everyone, and all people's problems will be solved." And this guy's like, yes, I definitely trust this guy in black yeah. who showed up in my room. Valtteri's well, dead. he's vain, so... Real piece of work. Like, just he's just like, hey, the people rioting because of all the casualties that just happened, they're just malcontents. Like, this guy, real prick. Yeah, Valtteri's dad is not cool. And I, his mom seems okay with it, so she's at least complicit. But I don't know, maybe she didn't have much of a say. It doesn't really, doesn't really delve too much in, into that. It cuts immediately to her being... To, to him being born five seconds later. We're just going to assume it was... <laughs> sometime but it could have been she's like all right i imbued you with light and then it just fell out anyway <laughs> the the point is yeah he was born a sin eater to and given the purpose to I, to rule the entire planet i meant to go back and watch this cutscene because i thought i saw something but it went by so quick that i wasn't certain was the implication that like basically shortly after birth he was already sort of a giant monstrous light warden no he was a little baby he was a little baby okay but then I, I guess he grew up fast i guess he grew up fast okay because, yeah, the, the, just to be clear here, Vothri's parents, normal people size. Yes. Not massively obese, 12, 20-foot monstrosities. Yes. Um, so back, back in the real world, the uh, anyway, but that, that's his backstory. Mm-hmm. Back in the real world, the light is overcoming me. Uh, stuff seems bad. We're beginning to turn. Time for Orianja's black backup plan. Here he goes. And then suddenly there's a, there's a little ring of energy that surrounds us and we are trapped in a, a ring, that ring, that little arena with the Crystal Exarch. And he says, I'm going to take this energy and I'm going to use it to, to, for my own means and I'm going to conquer the source. I'm going to travel to other worlds and uh, I used you. And I will say at this point, two thoughts. One... I was feeling genuinely betrayed by the fact that the Exarch might have been using us the the entire time, and it might have actually been that he did not have our best interests at heart, and he mm. did not really care about this world, and he just wanted to steal the, all the light energy and use it for himself. Mm-hmm. Two, I was like, damn, that's a real good twist. I did not see that coming. Like, that's a really interesting character turn. Mm. So, you know, when 30 seconds later it's going to turn out that actually he's not a bad guy after all, I was like, god damn it, can we just have, like, one good, proper sort of betrayal in which a person we thought was a friend was actually a bad guy at some point in this story? Well, isn't that an ironic complaint? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but yes, the Exarch is just going to like because there's a whole group of people there, right? Who are like should in theory stop them, and then Orianje's like, no, just let this play out. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. y'all just let this play out. Let him have this, and we're like, and we're like, oh, you meant to do this because he's actually going to take it and just go into the interdimensional rift and die. Yes. Because he's dying anyway, basically. Mm-hmm. What do you think? He, he, he's going to scoop up all the, light, all the destructive light energy and basically like, take it with him out beyond the world into like the, 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 the interspace, like you said, and just siphon it, uh, siphon it out of this world into nothingness. Yeah. So, um, this little, but like, yeah, it's, it's just that. Uh, he, he laments here that he's going to just die being forgotten, but um, in the energy blast of the spell, his cowl flies off, and we get the chance to call him out, quote-unquote, by name. Yeah, well, it, it, well uh, I, I swear to God, because, like, yeah, because there's the moment where the cowl flies back, and we see its face, and it's Grahatia. Yes, the, he's uh, got his red guy. hair, red little mm-hmm. ponytail. And like, and like I said, there's, like, the option to call him by his name, but, like, obviously the character doesn't say anything. You just kind of mouth, mouth it. yeah. And again, like... I don't know. There's the implication of something like you know, a, like like a an emotional bond between these two characters here. That mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I like it. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's very great. subtle. It's, it's very great. it's really good. It's not a big deal. Kind of cry. He kind of cries a little bit, and he's like, "Thank you for this journey." Because he always wanted. He said himself, he always wanted to go on an adventure with him, and he gets his wish. Yeah. And before the spell is finished, a gunshot from behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did not see that coming. How about that? I mean, Emmett Selk, uh, then the, the, uh, Grahatia falls down, and Emmett Selk is pointing a gun at him. What is this? Stormblood? Heaven's Word. Heaven's Word. Sorry, Heaven's what, word. Is what is this? Heaven's no, Word? No, because in Heaven's Word, they shot right away. It's <laughs> true. Maybe it was Stormblood. Did Stormblood, did they wait to shoot? I can't remember. I don't, I, I don't remember if there was an instance, but no, in Shadowbringers, they shoot at the end. Anyway, Emmett Selk knew what was up all along. He's like, look, only Allegan Wells can control the tower, and none of them exist in the first. So, like, what? But he, so he knew like something something was up with the Axok, but he didn't know what his actual scheme was. Yeah, um, and uh, he's disappointed in us. He wanted to to test us to see if our soul was, you know, big enough in his eyes to contain all this light, so that we could maybe demonstrate that we are in fact real people worth existing. But apparently we're not, so we're unworthy of his friendship and patronage. You know, um, I guess sucks for us. He makes a note here about the plan of the light, right? About how the adjustments... My God, it's so tedious. He starts monologuing. hundred years ago, he entrusted his, his comrade Logriff, which is another Assian seat, with the task of in- increasing the light sway over this world. This we sought to do by manipulating heroes. Oh, you know, this failed... This failed, and then Vothri happened, which, because we explained, because we, we did before accuse him of creating Vothri. He's like, yeah, Vothri happened because we tried to do the hero thing. Um, I, I'm, didn't of, work. I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand, yes, it is clever to have the whole thing be mirrored, to be like, hey, 100 years ago, Logriff manipulated the Warriors of Darkness and convinced them that they were going to save the world, but actually led to its destruction. 100 years later, Emmett Selk manipulated us by convincing us that we were going to save the world, but actually he just sort of... Yeah. Like, like, on the one hand, the mirroring there is good. On the other hand... It's not like we had any choice. It's like it's like yeah. the Bioshock problem, right? Of like the gotcha of like, haha! I was manipulating you all along, and it's like, yes, you're right. You did manipulate me because I guess my other alternative was to stop playing the game. <laughs> the alternative, I mean, again, is that the question? Are the actions that we are are we being manipulated by Heidelin? 
in turn that with too, the MSQ. Also. Mm-hmm. She's like, ooh, I highlighted all your objectives with a meteor. <laughs> anyway, so then Emmett Selk says some stuff here I don't entirely get, but like the whole reason he did all this was because he wanted to gauge how far man had come. If I was able to fully contain the light, it would prove that we had come, like, you know, particularly yeah, that, far we along. Are, that we would be, that mm-hmm. we would be, be basically people in his eyes, and we're not. So he says, haha, that sucks. Well, here's what's going to happen you're going to become a light warden, the light's going to come back, and your friends are going to kill you, or you're going to kill your friends. Uh, and if you want to complete your, des- your descent into madness with a little bit of dignity, come hang out uh, in the Tempest. You know, come to my house at the Tempest. Just invites us over. That's nice of him. Uh, we collapse and wake up in. Uh, we collapse at this point, and we wake up at the pendant somehow. Uh, and Arbert is there when we wake, and he explains what he saw. Emmett Selk did then vanish. And after, afterward, Reen used her powers of, as an oracle to stay the raging light temporarily. Howsoever, uh, the rest of the world is covered in light. All our work is undone, and we become a sort of super light word with the power of five light words at once. And outside, the sky is all covered in light again. So the threat really isn't that we're going to die, right? We're not concerned we're going to die. No, it's we're, that... It's an MMO. But it's that we're going to kill all our friends. Yes. Because <laughs> they Which might would not be... make it. Which would be a hilarious twist. So funny. If we actually did it. If it's just like, hey, if, you know, all those characters you like, none of them are back for Endwalker. Well, maybe not none. Maybe a, one or two, right? <laughs> maybe not none. The Endwalker yeah. cast consists of... Um, Hori Boulder. <laughs> yeah, Hori Boulder and Saru. <laughs> Coltonet. I mean, Kryle. She's Kryle, the- <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, and that's going to do it. That's the cl- sort of cliffhanger that we're on. So yeah. the next episode is going to be, well, we're not done with this, but next episode, we're finishing up Shadowbringers. We are going to, you know, I mentioned that we were recording on July 3rd. So um, we'll do, you'll, you'll hear my voice to close the episode out, um, but we're going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to have that wonderful um, interview B segment that I mentioned we're going to have. All right. So stick, just stay tuned. Okay. I'll see you guys later. Okay, uh, Jerome had to step out. His kidney got punctured, but we are joined by our guests, so I'll handle the interview myself. So uh, to get stuff started off, I do want to say a welcome to Vow3, who is sitting down with us today. Hello, yes. Thank you very much. His kidney got punctured. Is that true? Yes, he fell over and landed on a knitting needle. Oh, that must have been terrible. That means he didn't go on his cruise to Omaha. No, and those tickets were non-refundable, so he oh, seemed pretty upset pity. in the ambulance. Yes, well, thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting to be here today. Uh, it's exciting to have you. Uh, you know, yes. our audience has certainly heard a lot about you over the course of the yes. last few episodes, but well, we wanted to give you a chance to talk about yourself. Yes, yes, thank you very much. For, uh, I, my name is Valfrey Junois, and I, am a, I play the, the, the role... Of Lord Valthry in Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. That is, uh, yes, that is my, my pride and joy of my acting career. And I am uh, very happy to be able to share my love of the, 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 the form, of the art form, you know. And um, uh, happy to talk about any details that went into the production and the uh, the character work of the role of Lord Valthry. 
Well, you know, I, I do want to get on top of the controversy here. There has been some talk lately about people calling you kind of a, a Nepo baby. You did have yes. a bit of an advantage being born as a light warden. No, no, no. Okay, this is a very common misconception here. And I guess, it, really, it's my fault for having played the role to perfection. But um, this is, that, that's all fiction. You see, you see, oh, this is it. This is it. That was it. The, the video game is not a documentary. It's, we have, we ended up by sheer coincidence that uh, the Lord Borthry was, 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 had the same name as me. But uh, originally, most people don't know this. Uh, the role was originally penned for Mark Zuckerberg, but he was unavailable at the time, so um, it, it fell to me. Oh, really? They, they couldn't get Mark. No, they could not get Mark Zuckerberg. Did, did, did they have any? Did you guys have any conversations? Did you talk to Mark at all about no, the role? No, no. I, uh, he, why would? Why? That doesn't really, really make. It's not like he was my predecessor. It was no. This is the first person playing this character, right? It's not like James Bond or something. Where you know Roger Moore would go back to talk to Sean Connery. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is a very busy person. I don't know if you could argue that Mark Zuckerberg is a person, honestly. Listen, a lot of people think that I'm a, a totalitarian dictator in real life. Again, that's just acting, you know? What's that? You know when somebody plays a villain really well and then people, like, like just they, 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 they yell at that person in real life? As if they were that person. There's example. I can't think of any examples now that I'm put on the spot, of course. But it happens. Maybe to well, like Alan Rickman and other greats of the of the acting world. That's what happened a lot to them. It happens to me too. No, no, no. Actually, I'm quite progressive in my in my real personal politics. Are you? Are you really? Yes, of course. I I do a lot of the proceeds that went from the to the. the the, 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 the role that I got, I, I made large contributions to the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, because this came out around 2019, 2020, so we had, I had a little bit of extra cash at the time. Yeah, you know, I do recall seeing a PSA. You had some sharp words for Boris Johnson. Yes, I did. Brexit! Unbelievable how disenfranchised the lower class is. This is why I took the role, you see. I wanted to embody the evil of the upper class. Would you say that Valtteri is a commentary on Johnson? Was it intentional sort of... Commentary on a lot of authoritarian figures in modern day politics. Yes, yes, yes. You now you're getting it. I, I, I did read that piece in the Atlantic comparing your sort your character to Bolsonaro specifically. Well, that's. I, that, it's just history keeps rhyming, as they say. You know, it doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. It is like poetry. It does rhyme. Yes, yes. So Bolsonaro, you know, whatever, the, the, Mr. Trump. Oh, well, we don't like to issue the name Trump on this podcast. Well, it's just, uh, it, well, it's just happened twice now, hasn't it? <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> I will not make that mistake again. But uh, um, it, was a very, it was a very, very rewarding role to work on, personally. And I loved working with everyone uh, on the cast. It was a very, very, it's a group chain that we're all on. It's very fun. Well, so, so take me take me inside the booth on the first day. You okay. show up, you're handed the script. What was your reaction as you sort of, you really started reading through the pages? Well, my first reaction was to warm up because I know this, I, I love to give my performance. Ah, it's not really a reaction. It's a digest. It's a digest, a jape. A jape, of course. No, I get the script and I knew, I knew, my agent, uh, Jeanette, did tell me the, uh, that that um, the role was, it, almost, I was almost... 
It was a shoe-in, really. Again, they wanted Zuckerberg for the name recognition, but but that was unlikely, right? Anyway, so so when I read it, I felt... Did they consider Jesse Eisenberg? Uh, I don't... That is not within my purview. <laughs> Again, I'm not in charge I, of I the casting. Of I'm course. just grateful just for the role. Thank you. They're really good questions, though. You know, I, well, I do wonder... Well, I'm sure Jesse Eisenberg would have done a fantastic job as he did. Was he... Was he in a Bond movie? Well, who would know? What villain was he? he, he no, he was he, in Lex, Lex Luthor. Yeah, he with hair. Some of that. With, 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 yeah, with hair or without hair? No, no he, he had hair. hair. No, he, did he lose his hair? He I loses his hair. I didn't watch the whole thing. I don't blame you. Those movies are bad. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not going to say that, but you, you're certainly entitled to your opinion. Anyway, th- th- my reaction when reading the script was that, yes, that there was a very powerful stuff here. So I had to have a very powerful presence Really, so that something to for the heroes of the story to bounce off of, you know. And I, 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 I jumped into the acting career hoping that maybe I could maybe be a hero role again, sort of like Alan Rickman, rest in peace. But I, I know I, I felt once I read this role, I knew I knew what my trajectory was because it just felt right, you know. It felt so good to be able to express my my full range of emotion uh within 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 this character well now you know th- there have been some rumors in some publications that there was some f- friction kind of behind the scenes with the the actor playing Thancred who was a method actor who we heard there's some conflict between you two that is what well, you've certainly done your research uh but uh, uh, mr 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 cred and i we uh we had our differences on set, but I largely, you know, I largely attribute them to just the stress of the whole production. It's a very stressful production. It is. I mean, it's it's all. There was a lot of expectations of Final Fantasy being a very big franchise, and the the, the, the issues that happened in in on set, particularly, and I know what you're kind of alluding to. I'll just say, particularly in the sort of second half of the. The uh, the Yulmore expansion where Thancred maybe was a little too rough with Ranjit. <laughs> we'll say we'll say that part. It was kind of going off script, and I I could, I just couldn't help myself by voicing my opinion because it, again Ranjit, an excellent person, just playing the role. Uh, but Thancred, I, I think, took things too far, and it was. But it was a. Um, yeah, what hasn't been said at this point, really? Once you check the the publication, there's a there's a very nobody was hurt, really. Nobody was hurt. Okay, I want to make that abundantly clear. No, it sounds like you're <laughs> it all. Was it was just words like- that were exchanged, and uh, you know, I would be happy to work with Mister Cred again in the future. Um, I would ha- be happy to to book uh, any shows with him if we have the opportunity to, to talk in public. That would be just fine or in private even if he wants to hash things out that certainly i i empathize the industry is rough and uh, it's you know you know how it goes really well you know we're almost out of time here but mm. i wanted to have one last question is there anything about your character of lord vowthry that you think people misunderstand that you'd like to take this opportunity to sort of speak to yes uh, there was a um, lord vowthry does in fact fuck oh oh he does he does yeah that sin eater the hot one they're, they cut the sex scene out, but I hope it's in Final Fantasy 16. Oh, d- did you film that? We did, 
But we, we, we did. The trick of the trade is there's a guard, right? You do the guard, and it's like a skin color. You put that. Sure, so that of course. No, I'm not saying. It's, it's, yeah. I'm not implying. No, but it was a very romantic moment, and Volthric is kind of a, a sexual awakening, right? But he, he ends up sort of rejecting it for the sake of for purity, and that's where he gets his title of innocence from, and that's where that blossoming. Beauty. You know, that does make sense. I never yes. understood the title Innocence before. but it No, sounds he certainly like, was not innocent. <laughs> it sounds like we're missing some crucial context here. Yeah, so I thought that was a, a particularly strange omission. But uh, hopefully that kind of answers your A little salacious, but I hope that's okay. Well, hopefully that comes out someday then. Well, I would thank you again so much for joining us. It's mm-hmm. been, I, I won't say, an illuminating conversation. Absolutely. I do, I, I do get... I, this was in the midst of... I do get an opportunity to sort of... To, Plug, as they say, do I not? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I forgot my new show coming. Well, it's a, it's it's running. It's syndicated on uh, on on forty five. Wow, it's, it's syndicated. Yes, it's it's just my syndicated show, Lord Vorthry, sort of a new daytime judge program. Uh, just tune in every day at eleven thirty p.m. You got the. They got I got the, the eleven thirty p.m. <laughs> slot. Yes. Wow, yes. coveted. Great, coveted. It's, syndi- it's Pacific time. <laughs> the 11.30 PST. Yes. Must have much. been a, a, a real well, knockdown. We're in da- daylight time currently, but yes. <laughs> well, folks, you heard it. You can check out Lord Valthry on the show, Lord Valthry, at 11.30 p.m. PST. Yes, remember, that, uh, Valth- I'm not Lord Valthry. It's Judge Valthry's the show. Judge Valthry. My Judge name Valthry's is Valthry Junois. Valthry Junois. Yes, yes. It's all thank very you very much for having me. Uh, yes, I know. Is, I was kind of uh, admired. I liked the coincidence, but now I'm kind of sick of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm back, but I mean, I didn't leave. It's still the third. How's your kidney feeling? Uh, what? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, it hasn't happened yet. Whoops. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you are on something. Anyway, uh, we <laughs> we would like to remind you that uh, Stormbuds Live is coming up uh, July twenty second um, at two p.m. Central Daylight Time. I think I said standard last week. It's daylight. Listen. Just show up. It's going to be a live broadcast on uh, twitch.tv slash Jerome House. That's my personal one. I'll link it in our Discord, which is all up in our shindig. Um, and uh, we don't necessarily, we don't, uh, uh, Podtron, uh, you know, famously collapsed. So we don't necessarily have any of those anymore. You know, just went, it went the way of Stitcher. Also, a lot of Star Trek episodes, it would not have been practical to record episodes yeah, for all so of them. Yeah, so we'll just have to find a new way to generate some ad revenue i'm working on some ideas yeah 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 i'm talking to some of the old folks again yeah yeah yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting uh to rehash some of those connections but yeah that's all we really wanted just again thank you so much for listening and supporting and thank you for kind of rating reviewing and sharing the podcast and spreading the joy of final fantasy 14 uh with with as many people as you can we love to talk about we love this game we love to talk about this game um and we're going to continue doing so next week is the finale of Shadowbringers. you have all been waiting for this so um barring anything else we will see you then and born from buds storm of buds we've been the storm buds baby good night bye No justice but mine. No future but mine.